When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is August 3rd, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. It is August. Development camp is underway. The season is weirdly right around the corner. We're not right around the corner. I mean, I guess it's training camp begins in September, so about another month. But feels like it's right around the corner. In a normal year, it'd be kind of right around the corner. But uh, at any rate, on today's show, it was very, very focused on the position of center. Obviously, Connor and I discussed David Krejci, his departure, what it means, who the replacements should be. And I brought up a point that I think is pretty good, that maybe they could be better than before with different things. Obviously, losing Krejci makes you worse, but because of some depth signings, maybe that helps you out a little bit more in areas that you really needed some help in. I don't know. We kind of discussed everything uh, pretty far at length. Another thing we talked about, Jack Eichel. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen what's going on in Buffalo. We went over it. It's been a mess, a complete mess. Is there a chance the Bruins benefit from that mess? Bruins already took their star left winger and Taylor Hall, took their starting goalie and Lena Solmark. Could they take their franchise centerman? We discuss. Uh, before we get into this episode, though, uh, one thing that is a very safe bet. It's an exciting time of year around the sports world. The Red Sox are playing Patriots training campus here and soon. The Bruins and the Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There's always more options to wager than anywhere online. And we have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. Listen up. So go to bet online and enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard that right. You heard that. You heard it correct too. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Nobody, nobody beats that. So what the heck are you waiting for? Head to bet online to take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50. For a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online at your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, 
What is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You were at Warrior. Uh, we're recording this Monday, so you were there on Monday, today, technically. Uh, how was it? How was uh, being back in the practice facility? Not too bad. Good to be back. Back in our usual perch up on the uh, fourth floor watching. Kind of miss like being on the actual level of the ice. I feel like you, it's a more immersive experience when you're actually right there and hear the guys talk shit to each other and all that fun oh, yes. stuff but uh but no it's just good to be back in the building gonna see some hockey um obviously Bruins are missing a couple uh you know, maybe headliners I guess if you want to say for dev camp with like Lysel and goes guys like that but still got Beecher, Lori, uh Brittany Lyle who looked really good day one he could be a guy who, who I think is rising up the ranks so just good to be back in the building it's an, a good precursor for the next season so Oh, yes. I'm excited to, to see what's up with Mason Lorai. That's a kid who played up this year, had a great year. Uh, but again, obviously was ahead with the age. Uh, if I'm, if I'm correct on that, he yeah, was like he's ahead. an overager. Yeah, overager. Um, so interested to see how he fares, uh, this week. I will not be there. I'm not there. I'm now full time at Turner. That's my thing. So I'm there. Now I'm officially there. It's, it sucks. I've seen all the tweets and I was like, man, I'm getting some FOMO for not being at Bruins development camp, but. Anyways, luckily we have people on the ground like you who can uh, who can tell us all about it. But today's episode will not have really anything to do with development camp because there's been lots of developments <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> um, the big development of the past week, uh, David Krejci announces that he is going back to the Czech Republic. He announced it via the Bruins Twitter. He put out a long statement. The minute I saw David Krejci made a statement, I said, well, he's gone. I didn't have to see the tweet. I knew he was gone. (laughs) Like, that's it. (laughs) He wouldn't just do that. Oh, I'm coming back. Uh, That would not happen. But he announced that he's going back to the Czech. The Czech Republic, the team he's going to, already released a video uh, announcing that he's coming back. So imagine if that was what, like, how Bruins fans heard. They saw a guy running around the Czech Republic looking for a tailor. (laughs) Everyone's freaking out on Google Translate trying to figure out what it meant. That would have been would great. Not, would not be good. Not be good. But uh, that comes, it was a day or two after uh, all the free agency stuff happened. So people, what the Bruins did in free agency really kind of made you think Krejci wasn't coming back. And then obviously Krejci announcing it confirmed it. Um, there's a lot to take from this. And I think, you know, there's two angles we can approach. We can obviously talk about Krejci's impact on the Bruins as a whole. But I think we've done that a lot before. I, you know, I think it's very... We've said it incredibly underrated, so good, so clutch in the postseason, you know, just so good. I mean, you know, that's one thing I think Bruins fans are starting to see now and the Bruins team is seeing it as well. The benefits of having the one, two down the middle is now going to go away that and you're going to see that play itself out. So I want to focus on that. Who is the right option to replace Krejci on that second line? Good question, Evan. Yeah, that is the most. I thought I'd toss that over to you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. We I thought going into this off season, you know, the biggest question mark was going to be upgrading defense. I feel like that's what we've talked about for most of the summer. Is what top four guy are you going to get there? Who are you going to put with McAvoy? That's kind of been the the biggest issue. Now, far and away, it's not even close. It's who's going to be the new two C. And you kind of look at the way they're set up. It doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence in terms of going into the season. I think now why people miss Krejci is because now you realize you had that level of security of throughout all this, you know, uh, you know, upheaval with the roster. And when they kind of did that mini kind of retooling, you know, from 2015, um, you still had 
you know, your top two centers locked in year after year. And you knew at the very least, even if David Krejci was dragging along a bunch of Joe Schmoes on his line, you knew what you were going to get from him and his production. As now, he says, deli meat. Yes. Deli meat on both of his lines. Yes. Um, but now you've got a situation where you're probably looking at internal competition. You know, I don't think there's not anyone in free agency. I don't know if you're signing Jumbo Joe to be your 2C, which, holy hell. Wow. Um, yeah. But, you know, you go through the list of options they have. Charlie Coyle is obviously probably most likely the first guy to get a look at at a top six role. He's getting paid like a, a top six player. Um, you'd imagine that if we fast forwarded from, you know, 2019 in November when he signed that big contract till now, the Bruins would probably be like, yeah, this is part of the plan. This is, we expected him to be like this, to be the 2C. Unfortunately, a lot of stuff has happened in between November 2019 to now that maybe is – cast that into a little bit more doubt in terms of whether or not he's truly a, a top six player. Um, but whether it be that Eric Howella, Nick Foligno, Jackson, Niku could be a wild card. They've got options, but are they better options than when you have David Kirji? No, of course not. You know, it's even if Charlie Coyle, let's say he runs with it. What, what do you expect out of Charlie Coyle playing his game that we we've seen over like an 82 game season? It's still what, like, 55, 60 points. That'd be, I mean, that's and that'd be lot. great. That would be a it. lot. That would be expected. Yeah, th- yeah. That's, I think probably, I'm probably juicing those stats a little bit with uh, like Hall added to his line, but you could see it happening, but you're still not getting the, the level of production and, you know, value, especially of what David Critchie would have brought on a one year deal. So maybe it's something they look outside the market, whether it's a trade or what have you to try to find that two C or maybe they're just rolling with the punches and they go for it this year, which it's tough, man, because we talked all about, you know, this win now window and the fact that you're signing these kind of veteran guys like Howla and Felino and, uh, you know, Fulbert and these guys. If you assembled this roster, right, and you had David Krejci back, I think, you know, you'd look at this offseason so far, it'd be like a A minus, B plus, right? In terms of like, you got your top six back, you've got Taylor Hall back, you've got a lot of depth now on the third line. And you've got, uh, you know, a possible, you know, asset you can move now in Jake DeBrusque. Now you're in a spot where you're still in this win now window, but you've got this massive hole at 2C that you don't really know who's going to fit in there. You know, is Jake DeBrusque expendable now because maybe you need a guy like him who could bounce back on a third line to score you 20 goals? Um, it's it's just tough because it's, as we said, I think last time, it's been a recurring theme since this offseason started. It feels like there's a lot more shoes that have yet to drop in terms of uh, the Bruins charting out their offseason. But at this point right now, and if you even are mapping mapping it out, looking forward as to what their most likely plan is, I don't see you can frame any argument in which this team, as constituted right now, is any better than last year's team, which was not good enough to win the Stanley Cup. You know, I would love to be surprised and, you know, Charlie Coyle fits in seamlessly or Jack Stadnika is revived and, you know, he's all of a sudden fits in perfectly in a middle six role, but you're asking for a lot here. And this is already a team that had a lot of holes going into this off season. So it's, I mean, it's a, in terms of the timing, it's, it's a tough hit for the Bruins in terms of Krejci leaving this year. Cause again, if he was back in the fold and you added that bottom six step, I'd be feeling pretty good about this team right now. See, to me, there is a way in which, they might be better. Now, first of all, I think Stadnika is more than a wild card. I think there could be a chance he is, he's, he's given time on that second line, given the potential they had for him. But there's this thought that's been kind of kicking around in my head the past few days. Uh, not a beach thought. Not one of those thoughts you go to the beach and think about. Uh, just, you know, regular life thought. 
you know, driving down the street, think of it. But what's the big issue with this team? What's the big, what's been the big scoring issue with this team the past few years? And it was depth, right? It was depth. That was always the issue. That's what, you know, they lost playoff series because of it. Um, they, you know, didn't win the Stanley Cup partially because of it. And one thing that, you know, paying a lot to a second lot, to a, to a center, to anybody is it takes money away from elsewhere. Now, obviously, Krejci is valuable. This is a minority opinion and this is just kind of a thought I've been kicking around, but. They added a bunch of depth, right? Holla, Nosek, um, Felino, you know, you, you know, you have to wonder if they took that Krejci money and put it elsewhere and invested in the third line a little more than just Charlie Coyle. And they invested in, you know, Nosek, who's a solid offensive option for that fourth line. They didn't just roll back the same jabronis on the fourth line. They actually kind of seem to be putting something together when it comes to depth scoring. What if, what if all that depth gets you more goals. You know, the third line is going to score more than it did last year. The fourth line is going to score more than it did last year. The second line, yeah, might not be as productive, but you're getting production from those third and fourth lines. So come the postseason, you know, if you shut down the Bergeron line and, you know, as you saw in the Islanders series, the Krejci line as well, you have other areas you can score. That's one thought. Another thing, and this is, a, I, I, I've debated tweeting this out, but then I'm like, no, this is going to get some backlash. I don't know if I really want to dive into all these replies. But what if you switched Pasternak and Smith? I know no one wants to touch that top line, but think about it. If you put Hall and Pasternak with Coil on the second line, let's say, you're putting him in the best possible position. If you cannot produce between Taylor Hall and J- David Pasternak, that's a way bigger problem that like is completely out of the Bruins control. And that is, you know, that's on Coil 100%. But I do wonder, you know, you put Smith up there. On that right side of Bergeron and Marsha, Marsha and Bergeron work pretty much with anybody. You know, you bring, bring Pasternak down. I mean, imagine Hall with Pasternak. I don't know. That's a thought I've had lately. And I can't help but think it because I, I do think that there's a way in which this could work. Yeah. No, I think if you're taking, you know, the optimist look at it, you could frame that argument of, you know, you don't need the top line with Bergeron, Marsha, and Parsonak to be this, you know, you, you expect them to still be world beaters, right? But you don't need a second line where you got, you know, two 70-point guys and Krejci and Hall. Uh, you know, maybe you're better off where it's Coyle, again, as we said, 50 points, and, you know, Taylor Hall has, you know, 55, 60 points. But if your third line also has, you know, Felino having 15 goals and Howell had 15 goals and DeBrus, you know, 20 goals, then maybe it all balances traded. if he's not traded. Yeah. Then maybe it all balances out that way of, you know, you, you add some more of that depth. The only problem is it, it feel like it'd be a better problem to have if you just had David Krejci there and you had Charlie <laughs> Coyle driving the third line, because I, it, again, I think it's even one of those situations where looking past Charlie Coyle's, you know, uh, lack of production last year, you could very easily frame it as he's due for a bounce back, whether he's, got a lot more talent next to him, whether that be on the second line or if he was on that third line, you know, Howla and Felino was a lot better than what he had a lot of last year. Um, and he was injured. I mean, it wasn't even like it was a naggy injury. It was like a, an avulsion fracture and like a partially torn patella tendon. I want to say is what it was. It doesn't sound like something that you just, you, you know, get arthroscopic and cleans it out and you're good to go. It feels like it was something that was definitely bothering him for most of the year. So, you know, he could very well look like the Charlie Crow that we saw in, the playoffs in 2019 and for extended stretches, you know, the following year. I mean, I think he was on pace for 20 something goals if it was a full season in 2019, 20. So um, he very well could, could roll with that spot. It's just, again, 
you'd rather him be on like a third line where it's, I mean, look, look at Tampa, right? Tampa already has guys loaded in the top six, but what line would kill teams? It's that third line that was getting these better matchups. And you've got, again, Blake Coleman on most crappy teams, probably with Calgary could be a top six guy. If he's your third line guy and he's got those matchups, they're going to, they're going to eat up whoever they matched up against. So, um, Again, you kind of frame, you try to make the best of what you got right now because I don't really know how else, unless you're, you know, let's say it's like a Dvorak or a guy like that. But even then, you don't know how much that moves the needle. It's just one of those things where this offseason where you needed a lot of stuff to go right anyway, you're now relying on like four, four more other factors to, to fall in your favor, which as a, you know, I don't think anyone would place a bet on that based on how hockey is and how these variables can change because you're already hoping that Mike Riley, you know, takes another step. That Charlie, Charlie McAvoy takes a big step that Patrice Bergeron stays healthy, which Holy crap. If Patrice Bergeron goes down with an injury. Good yikes. Luck. Yeah. And again, we could talk about this for another 30 minutes of all the factors that you need to go in your favor and to, you know, some obviously luck is involved with every team that goes on a Stanley cup run, but, it's one thing if you got, you know, one or two things of like for the lightning, like we need Victor Hedman to stay healthy. We need, uh, you know, Andre Vasilevsky to stay healthy. Bruins need like eight different players to either have major bounce back years or stay healthy. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you kind of look at their odds right now and barring another, you know, big development, this team, you're kind of placing your bets on a lot of just bounce back and, you know, regression to the mean to get you back into being a viable contender, which, if you just said David Krejci, it's a lot easier just to look at the roster and be like, oh, this is a lot deeper team. This is, they're better. Right now, you can't really make that argument. Speaking of uh, Bergeron, guess who's 36, Bergeron, and guess who's up next after next season? Patrice Bergeron. Mm. So uh, imagine the day that Patrice Bergeron announces he's retiring or leaving. He would never – I don't think he'd play for another team. But, like, you know, retiring will be the day that there are riots in Boston. You would see it. You would absolutely see it. Um but yes, exactly. I, I, you know, again, I, I do take the optimist uh, perspective of it, but you're right. I mean, again, all these problems would be solved with Krejci. I mean, imagine a third line of Felino, Coyle, and Hala, or even if you want to move Coyle to the right side and have Hala in the middle. I mean, like that third line would be very, very dangerous. And instead you're kind of relying on now a solid third line, better than you had before though. Yeah. That's the other thing you're going to be, it's going to be an improvement on the third and fourth lines this year. So maybe that's where you get some added production. Maybe they figure we can add some production there and then maybe lose some from the second line. Or again, I mean, it's tough because breaking up that first line is always a challenge. Uh, Cassie doesn't love to always do it. Uh, but I do wonder if that's sort of a, a thing they, they look at, you know, just kind of get scoring going on that second line, whether it's coil in the middle, Stanika. I mean, granted, Stadnik is nowhere near the level of Hall and Pasternak, but I'm almost curious if playing him between them could also maybe work. I don't know. These are things that I'd love to see happen for a game or two during the season. Give it a shot, you know, try it out. Um, but there's a team out there with a way worse situation at center and in many places actually, but, but, but this team has a really, really, really bad situation at center and it got worse. It got worse. It was already horrible. It got worse on Friday night. When Jack Eichel and his agents put out a statement demanding he be traded, this is not going, basically, this is not going the way we think it should be going. This is, this is going well off the tracks. Everyone thought that Eichel would be dealt somewhere around the draft or before free agency. He was not. <laughs> he was not. He is still a Buffalo Sabre, although he is 
at Warrior Ice Arena. He's in Massachusetts right now practicing. So uh, as he does most off seasons, correct? This is yes, not like it's, a, a yeah, one year thing. Be, I, I <laughs> tweeted that video out. I tweeted that video out, and people were losing their minds. It's like he's from he's from Chelmsford, and he's he's here up the entire summer. So I can't I can't wait till he forgets his Sabers practice jersey one day, and like Mac Rizlik's <laughs> like, oh dude, just wear one of ours. Like just throw it on for just this skate. And somebody gets a picture of it, him in a Bruins practice sweater, dying. I will come to Brighton just to get the picture of that um, because those tweets, those replies to that would be um, pretty incredible. But uh, he is miraculously. I mean, we thought he'd be gone by now, whether it be Anaheim, Minnesota, the Kings, we thought he'd be gone. And the real thing is with him getting traded to the Bruins it, right now, it's a tough. I mean, it's easier, I guess, at the moment than it was, you know, a month ago, a month ago, it was high price, probably not going to want to deal him in the division. Um, want to kind of deal him somewhere else with to a team that has more assets to give up. But now is not the easiest time. The easiest time will be when his no movement clause kicks in after next season. And what's funny is they keep not trading him. You have to think at some point they're going to trade him. But is it is it realistic? Is there any chance that it could happen around now? Uh, the Bruins. I mean, in term- yeah, for the Bruins, I, I think it's extremely, extremely slim. I just look at the, you know, I mean, the Buffalo is in a horrific spot right now. Like, they clearly, you know, ask for way too much. Teams aren't fighting. These teams that you thought would be, like, natural fits, right, of uh, Minnesota even, where that's a team that was kind of a – you thought it was maybe a dark horse, and you thought about it more and more. And like, oh, that team makes a lot of sense. Like, Bill Guerin's been very aggressive since getting there. Um, they've got, you know, a lot of young assets – um, that'd be an intriguing team. They seem like they're out of it. I think Michael Russo from the Athletics said like the asking price is way too high, so they're just out of the running already. I I think the Rangers maybe they've they've circled back, but I think they've balked at the price. Anaheim, L.A., all these teams that I think if it was April when we talked about them, we'd be like, oh yeah, he's gonna be with L.A. right, or he's gonna be with Anaheim. Like it makes so much sense. So Buffalo has messed that up in terms of you know, just the fact that they're asking for too much. And then he's still a, a damaged asset at this point. Like no one wants to trade for a guy that wants a, a procedure that has not been done. I think, but on an NHL player, I want to say is, is what it is that he wants. Um, he's also 10 million a year. You, you know, you have all these other, you know, issues tacked on to the fact that Buffalo is asking for a lot, like what team's interested right now. And it, seems like at this point right now that Buffalo has to just accept they're going to get a minimal, you know, a minimal return for, for a franchise player, because you'd expect he was going to get traded, you know, leading up to the draft, right. Where teams were ready to give away draft capital that's come and gone. All right. Maybe the side of free agency, right. Before teams use all this cap space, which as much as teams threw out a bunch of, you know, heavy contracts during the, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, we're still in a flat cap era. Like there's still teams that just can't tack on 10 million, even if see Buffalo ate, you know, one and a half million off of that, like taking on eight and a half million is not an easy thing to do right now without doing some massive. And again, it's not like you can easily dump contracts or, or move guys around even because so many other teams are spent to the max right now. Like you're in this weird spot where, um, you know, is, is Eichel even going to play another game for Buffalo? Like, they're also have been delaying the surgery. So, what if he starts to get injured? What if you'd have to he, think he's not? You'd have yeah, to think well, he's got to be done up there. Or, or what if it's like you know he's out there and it's like Pierre Luc Dubois again, where it's like, all right, you know, Columbus eventually was like he's tanking his value because he's not doing anything out there. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the best solution is for Buffalo. I would not want to be Kevin Adams right now because I think it seems very obvious that they're just going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and trade him for what, you know, a, a minimal return based on what he is and what he very well could be. You could put him with, uh, if a, you had a j- healthy Jack Eichel and you had him with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith, like, he could be a 100, 110 point player over an 82 game season. I mean, he's that good, especially if he's with, more talent around him. Um, but beyond just the fact that, you know, from Boston's perspective, that they're at, you know, their, their trade packages still wouldn't compare to even a team that's probably asking for a minimum thing. Like New York's not including Lafreniere or anything at this point, but like, even if they offered Keandre Miller and like, you know, Hedl or like Kako or one of those guys, any of that Trump's, the Bruins best efforts at, at getting a guy, unless you want to, I don't know, do you want Sidneka Swayman, DeBrusque, uh, like two first round picks, like, but also when it comes down to it beyond just the returns and for the Bruins, the cap and how you're kind of manage that. I also think Buffalo just said, I want to trade with Boston. Like why, why would you, after you got burned by them last time with uh, the Taylor Hall deal, you don't want Jack Eichel, you know, scoring hat tricks against you for the next decade in your own division. And the, and the Bruins just took their starting goalie and took your stuff. It took your starting goalie. Now Buffalo's gold goaltending duo is now Craig Anderson and friggin' Aaron Dell. Yeah. So you've doomed them in that regard. And I mean, like it, if the Bruins were, you know, I think they were aware of David Krejci wasn't going to come back. They wouldn't have spent and done all this stuff. I don't think, you know, it was this shocking thing of like, you know, Don Sweeney spent money on all these guys and called David and got like a, you know, he was like, oh, I'm not coming back. Like, I don't think it was like that. I think they had some foresight that was going to happen, but um, look at like Sam Reinhart, like that would be a perfect fit for what the Bruins would need right now. Like he would not be as high of an asking price as what Eichel is. Obviously he played some wing, but he can play at center. Um, had like, I think a 37 goal pace over 82 game season last year, like very, very good player. That should be a guy you target, and then you didn't hear anything with the Bruins in terms of traction with Buffalo over Sam Reinhardt. So even if the Bruins scrap together, I think, the best offer, I, I still know how Buffalo at this point takes it. They're already so far down the hole that you wonder if they're just, you know, they're going down with the ship at this point. And then by next October, they they trade him for pennies on a dollar to another team out, out west because I just can't see a situation where it gets so desperate for Buffalo that their best offer is biting the bullet and sending them to Boston. You also can't imagine that a team out West at the at right now, like a team like Anaheim or LA is going to mortgage their future on a guy like Eichel, who has these injury issues, who has that massive contract. Cause that could easily, they could, they could be going down. The other funny thing that I, I always find funny with the Sabres, and I feel bad for a guy like Kevin Adams in the situation. I don't know if you ever saw the YouTube video. Uh, the Sabres have like a behind the blade, behind the scenes type, like internet mm-hmm. show. And uh, they they did a whole behind the scenes of the Taylor Hall negotiations and getting Taylor Hall to the Sabres and how that all went down. And he was a brand new GM at the time. He was so optimistic and he's telling, oh, we're going to put you with Eichel and we're going to build something here. And, you know, they were like, they were pumped. They were pumped. And now you fast forward a year. Eichel's, Eichel's going to be gone. Reinhardt's gone. Hall's gone. I mean, you just, your Linus Olmark's gone. Linus, excuse me, Linus. I got used to that. Linus Olmark is gone. Um but I mean, they got nothing up there, nothing, not a thing. 
And you just, it, 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 you wonder what he's going to get dealt for. You wonder what Eichel is going to get in return for him. I mean, you know, back during the season, it was, you know, McAvoy or Pasternak and maybe a, another first or, 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 you know, something else, you know, other prospects. Now I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Bruins are ever going to trade McAvoy or Pasternak. So I don't think they would ever even be included in the deal. Uh, maybe Buffalo says we'll only trade with you if it's McAvoy or Pasternak because there's other teams that might be willing to take uh, a guy like Eichel. So I don't know. But again, it's a fun thought to have. It becomes a tiny bit more realistic by the day. Every day that goes by that he's not traded, this tiny party of the, the optimism starts to shift. It gets a little higher. And people around here get antsy because they see him out on that warrior ice. They go, man, he looks good in black and under the skating across that spoke to be. Um, but it is funny to think about. It's interesting to, uh, to think about a guy like him, especially when there's issues around here with who the second line center is going to be. And obviously I would make a pretty damn good second line center. As you mentioned, Hall Smith on his left and right side. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Um, I mentioned Omar quickly and we, we discussed this a little bit on poke the bear, I think um, with Rask. And the more I think about it, uh, the more I, I do see, you know, it just being Omar and Swayman throughout the season. And I don't, I don't see Rask coming back into the picture with that. I just, I don't, I know I, we didn't plan on doing this, but I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know. I mean, unless there's something crazy that happens, I think there's a better chance that David Krejci comes back <laughs> for the playoffs. Everyone's hyped up about that. I mean, yeah. do you think there's, what do you think the likelihood is that Rask returns? Uh, right now, maybe I give it 25, 25% that he's back. I mean, I think it all is going to depend on cap space. And I think just how, how, confident they are in Olmach and, and Swyman are going to be next year. And I think they really are high on Olmach. I think that they wouldn't give him that term if they didn't think he was a player that with a better defense in front of him would drive. Um, but, you know, we could be looking at this and let's say we're in January and Olmach's got a 901 save percentage and Swayman's up and down and the Bruins are treading water. I think a lot of people who are more than happy to, you know, wave goodbye to Tuka Rask could all of a sudden be, you know, clamoring for his you know triumphant return in february if that's the case so i think it i think they're going to be fluid with the situation of not like you know unlike maybe how they approach this off season going into free agency where it's like all right we we we, we know david Krejci's not coming back so we're going to spend on you know depth out outside the organization i don't think you know the master plan maybe is just to completely shut the door on duke rask that again it's always tends to chat out goalies. It's what makes the most elite goaltenders in the league elite is because they do it consistently or at some level consistent consistency every single year. So you can never tell, like as much as I think people have very, very high, probably unrealistic expectations about Swayman, you have to expect that there's going to be, you know, stumbles along the way. Omak getting to a new city, a new environment, uh, higher stakes could be the same, similar situation. You just, sometimes you can never tell with these guys. Right. So uh, I mean, look at 2010 with Tuka Rask. I mean, he was lights out that whole year. Going to next year, you probably a lot of Bruins fans are like, all right, well, we still have Tim Thomas, but we got the goalie of the future. We're all set to go. And what do you know? Tim Thomas takes that spot back and goes on a crazy, uh, ridiculous run. Like you get yes. sometimes it's it's almost like the most important thing is just having goaltenders in place that you're comfortable with, and then just letting the the luck and just how variable it is with with goaltenders kind of play out and go from there and adjust on the fly so I think the Bruins are covered in that I think the most important part of it is lockdown and that they have options so if 
Omag and Soyman are rolling with it and you don't have to worry about it, then you don't have to worry about bringing Rask back. If one of them's struggling, then bring them. Like, you know, it's the most important thing is at least having multiple backup options, which the Bruins have, as opposed to Buffalo, who now has Craig Anderson and Arundel, which it, mother of God. You put it well, though. It's a, it's a backup option. You know, it doesn't have to be back, but could be. You know, if you, if you really need him come January, February, that's an option. I wonder if he's practicing at the Bruins facilities and stuff. I wonder if they have him practicing there during the season because that's he's actually he's gonna roll they're going to he's up in Buffalo. He's going to be yeah. doing stuff up there. <laughs> we're going to trade guys just to just to add speculation. So maybe they will. Maybe they will. Um. Anyways, that's Bruins beat for the week, Connor. Uh, before you go, what would you like to plug? Yeah, we're going to have plenty of uh, dev camp coverage all throughout this week um, over at BSA. Obviously, as I said earlier, lots of intriguing prospects. A lot of Catching up with guys, obviously, based on the way the last year was with COVID and schedules and cancellations, postponements, all that. Weird year for a lot of different players out there. So good to get some perspective from them and how they've kind of come along in their game. So we'll have all that over at BSJ. If you want to uh, sub- you know, subscribe over at BSJ, much appreciated. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins be listeners. Listeners. Ugh. Listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>